You know, there's sports happening, but I mean, you know, we got Wimbledon going on and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, NBA Summer League's been going on for a while. I had the ESPYS last night. That was mm -hmm. a nice little break to see all those great athletes and things and, and great just human beings come together and and get recognized for for just uh, amazing accomplishments. So that was fun, but. But I'm going to uh, take a few days off, recharge the batteries, and come back as strong as ever uh, this August uh, for the high school sports uh, zone and the football season. Yeah, we had the MLB All-Star Game a couple of days ago. Here's this. I wish I would have had this earlier. This was really cool for me. The starting lineups from the All-Star Game the last time it was in Cleveland before this week, so 1997. Here are the lineups. There are combined 11 Hall of Famers between the 18 position players and the two starting pitchers. The National League had Craig Biggio starting at second base. Tony Gwynn was a DH and batted second. Barry Bonds was in left field, hit third. Mike Piazza batted cleanup and caught. Jeff Bagwell at first base hit fifth. Larry Walker in right, followed by Kent Caminiti. Caminiti. Uh, he was the third baseman. Ray Lankford in center field. And then Jeff Blouser. Shortstop? I didn't know him, I guess. But, but, <laughs> I was going to uh, say, he was, the, he was the odd man out of that group there. Uh, he was not one of the Hall of Famers. <laughs> Greg Maddox was the starting pitcher. Then for the American League, Brady Anderson led off. A-Rod, still a shortstop at the time, hit second. That might have been his rookie year. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Griff, he was third. He was in center field. Tino Martinez, who I was kind of surprised is not a Hall of Famer when I looked at this list. He was a cleanup batter. He was at first base. Edgar Martinez is a Hall of Famer. He was the DH. Paul O'Neill in right field. Another guy I'm surprised isn't in the Hall. Then Cal Ripken at third. Pudge Rodriguez behind the plate. And Roberto Alomar at second base. Starting pitcher, Randy Johnson. So how about that pitching matchup, Maddox? And Johnson, right? It's pretty fun. I was just—I was just going to say it, it would be interesting to go back and just rewatch that. Yeah, you know, so many years later, knowing that so many guys did make the Hall of Fame. But I mean, those are some names. You don't have to be a a hardcore baseball fan to know those are household names. And and you know, just a, what a great talent pool it was for that that All Star game. That pitching matchup really stands out to me, and I wonder in hindsight if people who attended that game or watched that 1997 All Star game realized how good of a matchup that was at the time because Justin Verlander and Hinjin Rue took the mound to start a couple of nights ago and they're great they really are but I don't know that they're gonna combine to be on the same level that Maddox and Johnson are Johnson. what we think of them right now right yeah Randy Johnson I mean obviously Maddox uh was a great pitcher in his own right but as, as someone who just you know, never really followed baseball as closely growing up but I knew who Randy Johnson was I mean he was one of those rare you know, athletes. He was a very tall, lengthy guy, and, and just brought the heat. Um, he's just one of those guys you root for, and, and he was famous for the, hitting the bird, hitting the bird, hitting the bird mid throw. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that would have been interesting to see. Like I said, it would just be interesting to go back and just rewatch that game. Did you go to any games growing up? And you remember there was a game with a really good pitching matchup. Anything that really stood out to you? Uh, not, not to me personally. I, I, I wasn't much of a, of a baseball guy. I didn't really attend a lot of baseball games. I was more of the guy who was going to NFL, mm. NBA games. Those are my thing. You know, the Detroit Pistons of the mid two thousands. Brett Favre. I just, you know, remember so many times going to those Thanksgiving Day games uh, with between the Lions and Packers at Ford Field, yeah. at the Silver Dome, even um, going that far back. But not too many baseball game memories for me. Hopefully, in the future, I can, I can change that. I feel like. Um, definitely a baseball game is something I need to go and experience um, very, very soon. I've been to a lot of baseball during my life. The anniversary of my first game is coming up here at the end of the month. But the best pitching matchup I ever saw live came back in 2004. 
It was at the Metrodome. The Twins were playing the Red Sox. And it was Johan Santana against Pedro Martinez. That was fun. Entertaining. That was Pedro. the first time I saw the Twins win in person, too. <laughs> wow. Mark it down. I, mean, I guess that's why you, it's memorable for you. Um, man, I, every time I hear Pedro, I just mm-hmm. that guy was so fun to watch. Um, entertainment. Not just a baseball player. Obviously, he was a great, a great pitcher and things like that. But, I mean, just for the entertainment value, mm-hmm. what an what a entertainer. And he was really great for the game. I know he had a lot of haters. But those are my type of players. You know, I like players with a lot of haters, a little bit of edge to them, and just a, a person that doesn't take take it so serious but is great as an athlete and as a player in their own right. I think a Pedro Martinez Expos jersey has got to be one of the highest sellers on eBay. Like, those are cool. I mean, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the Expos jerseys and a Pedro Martinez one. If you find a way to cop one of those, those are pretty cool. People forget he played for the Expos. Uh, Yankees fans, they always think of him in the Red Sox uniform. But like right. you said, he wasn't totally well-liked, mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of haters. I think there's one guy, when you look at that Red Sox-Yankee rivalry, there's one guy on each team that both clubs refuse to hate. As much as Derek Jeter killed the Red Sox, he killed everybody. But I think they have a professional respect for him and don't hate him. And the Yankees feel the same way about David Ortiz. But you're right that uh, Pedro Martinez doesn't fall into that category. Right, exactly. I mean, there's there's players who just know how to get under the skin um, of teams, especially when you talk about these rivalry games, and and that's part of the whole allure of of big heated rivalries and and the history that goes behind them. When you talk about the Yankees and Red Sox, um, you know, if you're a fan of the Yankees, you like the players who are talking smack to to the Red Sox, and vice versa. And and Pedro Martinez made it known that hey, I don't like New York, and and I think that's why Red Sox fans were able to embrace him so well. And that's why New York Yankees fans disliked him. And, and not to mention, they performed well against each mm-hmm. other. So, um, yeah, those are definitely the players I want on my team. I tell you what, we've been reminiscing, but we have a lot to get to here over the course of the next hour. One last thing I want to reminisce on, because I'm thinking about my childhood. I'm thinking about going to games at the Metrodome. This may have been the most unique event that I've ever been to. And it was a couple of months after I saw Pedro and Johan. It was the 2004 season. And it was the first Saturday in October, so the second-to-last game of the year. The Twins were hosting Cleveland. Neither were contending that year. And this was back when the Metrodome hosted the Twins, the Vikings, and the Golden Gophers. They all shared a stadium. So the Twins had a home game in early October, and they weren't contending. The Gophers had a home game that night as well. So the Twins had to start at 11.30 a.m., with the Gophers kicking off at about 7 and they had to have enough time to convert the field into a football stadium. So the Twins and the Indians, they're in a great game. Neither may have been contending that year, but it's a fantastic game. They battled a 15 innings. Oh, no, of course. And they complete the 15th <laughs> at about 3.30 in the afternoon, and they kick us all out because they got to get the stadium ready for gopher football. We got kicked out after 15 innings Wait, of a great game. The game didn't finish? No, they finished it the next day. But we didn't live in the Twin Cities. Right. So Oof. we didn't get to see it. Couldn't they couldn't they postpone the the football game a little longer? Yeah, I mean, the, it's you can't start, like a, the, <laughs> start at eight. You still get you know it's gonna end at what eleven? Yeah, I mean, it's Gopher football. Who cares? I mean, how good were the Gophers that year though? Were Probably. They? When have they ever been good? <laughs> very true. Very true. Were they better than <laughs> I guess the Twins in their perspective sports? I don't the know. Twins in the mid two thousands were pretty good. They were the darlings of the small market, but I think oh four was a down year for them. One of those rebuild years, right? But nonetheless, they had some pretty good I would baseball. Be, I mean, I would day. be demanding my money back. 
Like that's that's crazy. <laughs> and especially when you talk about the fans who, like you said, travel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not are, are living in the area. You know, have been looking forward to this. Could have been a, a kid's first game. Wow, battling the 15 innings. This, this is great. And yeah. then all of a sudden, you got to go. It was one heck of or, a game. Or I would at least be like, at least give me free tickets to the Gophers tonight. Right. I mean, something. Give me like, something. Give me a voucher or something. Yeah. And they, they said you could turn in your ticket for admission to the next day when they finish it. Mm-hmm. But, again, we weren't doing that. We were heading back home. I didn't get to see the Twins win. They ended up winning the next day. I didn't get to see that game end, but it's still one of my favorite right. sports memories because I think that's the only time in stadium history that happened. Right. I mean, yeah. You would think that they had spread it out enough time apart to get the field changed, but I mean, fifteen innings—that's like almost mm-hmm. two games you're talking about, and that's that doesn't happen very often. Probably my favorite overall sports memory, weirdly enough, until the Minneapolis Miracle. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, for Minneapolis—I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell you what, we'll start with a little bit of baseball since we're halfway there already. The Atlantic League of Professional Baseball—they had their All-Star Game last night. They're an independent East Coast baseball league. They've got a lot of guys who have had MLB experience and they're on their way down or guys who may be on their way up that aren't ready for the minors. They had their all-star game last night, and they're right now the testing grounds for Major League Baseball to implement a bunch of rule changes. They have pitch clocks, uh, or they're implementing, they're in the process of doing so. They have got the robotic strike zone, the electronic strike zone that is being implemented. It's going to start officially now. They played half the year with traditional umpires, Last night they tried it out in their all-star game, and now they're going to adopt it for the remainder of their season. I had one of their play-by-play men on here. He's a really good friend of mine. I had him on here earlier this week, and I'm sure we'll talk with him again next week to get the reaction because he was over there in York, Pennsylvania last night. But I tell you what, there are now robots calling balls and strikes in Major League, uh, not Major League, but in professional baseball. What happens is there's still a home plate umpire back there. He's just standing there hoping the catcher protects him, and there may be a play at the plate. He does have the power to overrule the machine because if a ball were to bounce and then still cross home plate in the strike zone, the machine would think it's a strike, and it would call it as such. But the umpire wears a headset, and they showed a picture. It looks like actually some pretty nice AirPods, and he hears the result of the pitch in his headset, and I don't, that's what I was talking about yesterday. Uh, I don't know what they do to relay it to the crowd. Like, do they still point and do the strike call or is it just put up on the scoreboard or something like that i don't know but they have a they have a they they should have a robot graphic making the call on the board i want a full seven foot tall robot behind the plate calling balls and strikes right that's what i want i I picture the iron giant kind of you know just (laughs) hovering over the field you know, yelling out calls. Um, but from from what I read and from what I what I've I've heard is it the the trial run kind of went it went pretty smoothly for mm-hmm. for what it's worth. Obviously, like you said, there's still an ump back there in case technology fails. That's what you you know in the scenario where there's a bounce or something. Um, the ump is still there to kind of regulate what's going on. But from what I've heard, it was only a few second delay from when the pitch hit the the catcher's glove to when the 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 ump made the call, which you know, was good. Um, from the pitcher's standpoint, I guess they said, you know, there was a lot of strikes called higher in the strike zone, which, you know, some umpires might not call strikes. So that was kind of refreshing to see. Um, so I don't think the players really had much issue with it. For me as a sports fan, anytime you can have a little bit more universal consistency 
Um, I think that's great. Obviously, with umpires, there's that that human error type of thing, or you know, umpires like to change the strike zone. So, and um, traditionalists for the sport might you know be against that. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of want that human error element. The, the you know, not as much consistency. It's it's part of the game type of thing because baseball seems to be kind of stuck in the past and and they're they're getting there but for me i mean if you can get consistency and and the call is right and obviously there's still an umpire behind the plate so i mean not all the umpires will be out of jobs it kind of reminds me of when i first went to a fast food chain where there was robots kind of taking the order you know i was like wait what's going on here this is kind of crazy um but i mean if like i said if it's if it adds to the consistency of the game and you're getting the calls right um and, and it doesn't slow the game down more than it already is um, I just don't see why that's not a win for baseball. You and I could be at risk of a job. I'm sure there are umpires who never thought they would be replaced by robots, but now they're starting to take over everything. They will have robot radio and TV hosts taking Listen, our jobs someday. I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried because <laughs> we've seen this in the movies, and we're and we still just keep going that direction. We're letting these robots, building these robots, highly intelligent beings, knowing. Knowing well what's going to happen, they're going to become too smart and overtake the world, and mm-hmm. yet we're still pushing towards that. I just don't, I don't get it. Like, Didn't we've you ever seen watch this Terminator? Exactly. What's going on here? Yeah, Skynet's going to take over baseball and then the world. Wait, yeah. Here's the thing. We were talking about you could have a seven-foot robot behind the plate calling balls and strikes. You mentioned the Iron Giant. What if it was the Terminator? You know, he's not killing people, but you have robotic Arnold Schwarzenegger back there. His punch-out call. I would pay to see it. Yeah, I mean, you could. Each team realistically could have their own like robot with their own personality. Sure. I mean, that's entertainment. I mean, we're talking about making the game more entertain, entertaining for the people who are at the game. You know, you could have Larry the Robot calling your your game, and and every you know people could could fall in love. Is he a real they, they have character? they have pers- personality. These robots are, are smart now. I mean, I'm guessing they're going to go the top notch with these robots. What movie character, what robotic movie character would you want behind the plate? You think of some of the great robots you've seen from TV and movies. I kind of want to see the robot from Rocky IV. I'm kind of partial to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Be a good one. Yeah, that would be, that'd be good. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know. C-3PO, I don't really know. R2-D2. Oh, that's a good you know, one. Chris, Chris Rock, uh, you know, doing the voice for the, for the robot. I don't really know. Chris Rock doing the voice <laughs> for the robot. Uh, the one for Futurama, he'd be kind of fun to see back there. Yeah. I don't watch it. I've just seen that character a few times. Uh, what about that one from Benchwarmers? Benchwarmers? Number that, seven. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I can't, I can't even think of yeah. great robots right Thinking now. Thinking of robot characters that would be good behind home plate. And then trying to argue with it. I tell you what. You know who loves the electronic strike zone probably more than anybody or even replacing home plate umpire, human home plate umpire, is Tigers manager Ron Gardenhire. Because that guy gets ejected every time. I have not turned on a Tigers game this year that he has not been kicked out of. I don't think so. Uh, He got kicked out 79 times when he was manager of the Twins. I loved it. I loved the famous Ron Gardenhire ejections. And he's still doing it with Detroit. I don't know if he's going to love it because now he won't get kicked out as much, or he's going to hate it because he likes getting kicked out. That's what I mean. I mean, if if you're a... uh a manager, and that's kind of like stress relief. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna get kicked out today. <laughs> I don't feel like doing this. I'm just gonna, you know, first I inning, I'm, go, I'm going out. I'm just gonna get kicked out. Um, but yeah, I mean, having these robots, obviously, it's gonna be kind of hard, harder to go out there and argue that the technology is wrong. You know, so we'll probably cut down on on arguments. I'm a fan of of the whole argument thing. Mm-hmm. I like I like the the conflict, but um, yeah, it's gonna affect the game throughout, and it might actually end up speeding up the game, maybe. 
there is going to be Ron Gardenhire, one of the most old-timey managers, one of the most old-school. He's getting better, but he's still pretty old-school, arguing with a robot. Like, that could happen within Jeff Passan thinks five years. I don't know. Maybe it will. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if all goes well with the Atlantic League. But I just want to see Ron Gardner. Give me Ron Gardner arguing with the Terminator. Just make it happen before he retires. If we can be so lucky, we'll see that. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm glad you brought up pace of play because we're going to get to that in our next segment. Justin Verlander had a few comments that weren't safe for work earlier this week. But does he have a point regarding pace of play? That is next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you Thursday afternoon. Glad to have you along as always. Earlier this week, Justin Verlander was in the headlines for more than just his all-star performance. Verlander said that the baseballs that Major League Baseball is using this year are, quote, an effing joke. Uh, He believes 100% that MLB has manufactured juiced baseballs that will produce home runs, greater output. That baseball is trying to favor the offense. I don't know if there's any truth to that. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if there was. But is that a good thing? For Major League Baseball, you know, Verlander might have a point. I wouldn't doubt it if baseball is trying to pander to an offensive crowd. But is that a good thing? Because right now you're starting to see pitchers who are affecting the way it's affecting the way pitchers play the game. You have guys that are hitting the outside corners, or at least they're trying to. They're nibbling out there and not throwing anything that could go over the heart of the plate. Because if there's some like Verlander, you got to believe there are a few that believe this is a special ball that is designed to get sent 450 feet, that if you throw it over the heart of the plate or you take any chance, then you are going to get taken deep. And I, I tell you what, while home runs and offense may be up, and that's a good thing for baseball, walks have been up as well, and it's been a consistent thing for the past few years. Runs, strikeouts, they've all been up, but since 2016... Walks have been up as well. They've gone up every year in all three of those categories. So while, yes, you're getting offense, you're making exciting plays like home runs, you're also slowing down the pace of play, and that can be just as detrimental for baseball. Right, and you know, the MLB, they bought Rawlings, you know, the company that makes the official baseballs for the the league. And, I mean, there's no denying that the ball is different. I mean, you talk about, obviously, pitchers... They're not for these new, new new baseballs because they're throwing more home runs and, and getting hit, um, taken to the, the the outfield more often. Um, but as far as I know, like you could tell that the stitching is a little bit different. The baseballs are harder. Verlander was saying, you know, this whole season he's been going out there and it's just not feeling right because, like you said, you got the guys eighth, ninth in the lineup being able to, you know, take it the other way. I mean, it's it's tough on a pitcher, and it's, there's no coincidence that all the pitchers are are not for it. Um, personally, I, I like the fact that there's more home runs. I just wish the NBA or the NBA, the MLB would would not deny it. I mean, obviously, there's been a change to the baseballs. There, you know, there's that, but there's no denying that that there has been a change. Home runs are up, um, and I guess if you're Major League Baseball, yes, you know, the offense is there. I think that generates excitement. Um, when you're talking about trying to, you know, you know, make the league a little bit more exciting and and things like that, but um, in in turn, yeah, it does slow down the, the slow down the way the game is being played because it's strategy. You don't want to throw it over the plate and and get and get hit on. So um, 
is there something is there something probably done to the, it just it's such a coincidence that Major League Baseball would buy this company and then all of a sudden now the home runs are up. I and mean, here here's the other biggest piece of evidence that Verlander can use to make his case. This year AAA has started using the same baseball that the majors do. The minors and majors used to use different baseballs, weirdly enough. This year, AAA is playing with the baseball that the MLB uses, and the rest of the minor leagues are using the old ball. Home runs in AAA have skyrocketed this year. In fact, one game in April, two teams combined for a record 15 home runs. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, the, the case is there. It's a strong case that, yeah, there's definitely something different with the balls. Yeah, it's it's helping hitters hit the ball further and, and more home runs. Um, just look at the numbers. Um, it, it all depends on if you're for it or against it. For me, I say keep going. Keep mm-hmm. going with it. I, I, I like the fact that there's more home runs. There's more offense, and that's just coming from a casual fan. I tell you what, it, it, it's, uh, you're right in the sense that you want offense, you want to have more productive hitters, and you certainly don't want to go back to the mid-2000s where it seemed like everybody was on steroids. It was like a second I, uh, steroid crisis. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I, I, I'm pro-steroids, but I enjoyed that time in baseball. <laughs> that's just me. You're like that Charlie Harper, Charlie Sheen, and two and a half Hey, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, There was Sammy a whole Sosa. episode called, I Think Baseball Was Better With Steroids. That's that's definitely me. I mean, that's just, that's coming from me. I mean, I'm not like I said. I'm not for. I'm not saying like steroids are a good thing. Don't don't be out there doing steroids, kids. If you're if you're in baseball, but I mean, I I enjoyed watching baseball, and and honestly, it made it better. Kind of knowing, it, like it, it, no one ever went out and said, but you knew who was on steroids, right. and that just made it more entertaining to me. I I was for it. That was that's just me. Oh, but I tell you what, you have pitchers like Verlander right now. They believe that something is manufactured inside the baseball that makes it easier to hit home runs, and they're scared to throw the ball over the plate. That's leading to longer at-bats. Walks have been increasing at a more exponential rate every year. Think about it. If pitchers didn't believe that something is wrong or tampered with the ball, they would be more apt to throw it over the heart of the plate or at least within the strike zone and that would cause batters to swing earlier in counts, which would produce a speedier game. And honestly, it'd probably put more balls in play. You know, home runs are a big story. That's what you're there to see. But if you want balls in play, you want doubles, triples, bunts, what have you, then you probably need to be throwing it over the heart of the plate, and you want more contact rather than power. I mean, I mean that's a very good point, and... Um, you know, I guess if, if you're Major League Baseball going into it, I, I just wish if they were going to do something to the balls, I think they should have made, you know, just an official announcement. Hey, the balls are going to be changing. Um, obviously, every team, it's, it's an even playing field because it's not just for one team. Every team's playing with the same baseballs. But um, if they even said, like, hey, we're going to do this trial run this year, you know, we're going to have these different baseballs. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of, of a different way that they're manufactured, the way they feel and things like that. Let's let's see how it makes it, how, how it either helps or hurts the game i think i would have respected that a little bit more than just kind of sending it out there and and now you have you know this rumbling between players and, and coaches and teams about hey what's going on here why aren't we being notified and things like that i think it would have been just better to just come straight forward from the, the beginning of the season or a couple years ago and say hey like 
we're planning on maybe doing something to the baseball. We're going to see how it works. You know, if if it's good, we're going to keep it. If not, you know, we're going to we're going to go back to the old old balls rather than having some people over here. You know, obviously all the hitters are saying, "Hey, it's great." You know, let's keep these baseballs. Hitters and love it. Hitters love it. And then you know, the pitchers, it's like, oh, here we go, another another thing that's going to. Uh, stop us from doing our job because if you're a pitcher you want obviously your statistics matter when you talk about getting paid and and when you talk about you know being an all-star and how good you are you know this matters and and if it's not something you can control then you know people are going to be mad about it as long as the twins keep blasting home runs the way they are i'm happy with it i mean fans with teams who are doing well aren't going to say a word and and teams who you know aren't doing well or players who aren't doing well and are having a down year are obviously going to be against it saying this is the main reason because now they have a reason why you know maybe they're performing poorly the mlb record for home runs in a single season is 267 i saw on espn earlier today that if the twins keep hitting home runs on the pace that they're doing right now they will finish with 302 the record is 267. They will absolutely shatter the record. <laughs> I'm for it. Let's do I'm it. for it. <laughs> I tell you what, before we go to break, one change that was not implemented by Major League Baseball, but I'm excited to see happen. It did not come from the Atlantic League either. Starting, let's see, what is today, the 11th? Starting tomorrow, the Chicago White Sox are going to uh, begin construction at Guaranteed Rate Field. They will become the first team in Major League Baseball to put up protective netting from foul pole to foul pole. It is not mandated by Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred, prior to the All-Star game, said that there is a lot of cost. There is a lot of special equipment that it takes to be able to make this happen. Rigs along the foul pole, what have you, that they are not going to implement anything before the end of the season, and they're going to leave it up to each individual team. Well, the White Sox begin a long road trip when they get back from the All-Star break tomorrow. They won't play at home until the 22nd, so they've got 10 days to do this. And they are going to put up protective netting from foul pole to foul pole. I think that's a great thing. You know, I, I get that there is a lot of people who don't like it. For me, this is a no-brainer. We've had way too many scary situations. And it's mostly little kids who are the victims of this. It just seems like we're waiting for something worse to happen. And about the only thing worse than what has happened is death. And we really are waiting for somebody to get killed by a line drive that goes into the stands before we do anything and you get people who say, you know, I hate it because it obstructs my vision. Well, I mean, the best views are from behind home plate, and they're protected by nets. And if obstructing your vision just a little bit is enough to save a kid's life, I'm all for it. I, I'm totally for it. That's a trade-off I'm willing to take. You should be as well. And you get people just say, oh, just pay attention. You know, you just got to pay better attention. Most adults do. Most of these accidents are little kids that are getting hit. You're not always going to get a kid who's going to pay attention for all nine innings of the game, who's not going to be tuned into every pitch. He'll be looking at his scorecard. I-, I loved keeping score when I went to games as a kid. He'll be eating his nachos. What about somebody who's vision impaired? Like, I'm slightly vision impaired. I've been hit by a baseball before because I didn't see it coming until it was right there. Didn't matter how much I was paying attention. Could happen to somebody else in the stands. I don't care if your vision is slightly obstructed, if you're slightly inconvenienced setting up the foul lines. I don't care. This is going to save somebody's life. Yeah, I mean, uh, good for the Chicago White Sox. I mean, it, just thinking about me going to a game with my my seven year old daughter and and having her being hit. I mean, it just makes me you know it mm-hmm. makes me sick. It makes me cringe. Uh, and all you really need is one team to do it. And like you said, yes, it's going to cost a little bit more money and things like that. But I mean, we've seen it happen before. You know, 
it's 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 tough. I mean, the games are long. You're not going to be paying attention every time. And like you said, kids definitely for sure aren't going to be able to be in tune with what's going on all the time. And when you talk about the ball leaving the bat, it's it's just a few seconds. You know how fast that bat's go- or that ball's going. And and I mean, like you you said everything that I was going to say. You know, it's all facts. Getting a little bit of a view obstruction and things like that is worth saving a life and. And, you know, for Major League Baseball, you want to, you know, your fans come first. They're the ones buying the tickets. They're the ones, you know, making this thing happen with with the revenue and things like that. you got you got to protect the fans. And and um, it's going to be interesting to see what teams are going to kind of take take charge and do the same thing that Chicago is, go- is going to do. And, and like I said, it just takes one team, and hopefully that more teams will, will take part. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. we got to take a break. i got a little bit more I want to get to on Major League Baseball. We start the pseudo-second half of the season tonight with the Rangers and Astros getting back from the All-Star break. We're going to take a look at the updated win projections, plus one guy in the city of Cleveland holds a balance of power for the Cleveland Indians. One man will decide whether they are a buyer or a seller. Yes, that is still a question with them being 12 over 500. And his name is coming up next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you on The Sports Pen. Glad to have you along as always. Here's your Sports Center update. Kelly Oubre signs a two-year deal worth $30 million to stay with Phoenix. Ticket sales for the Arizona Coyotes have increased by 550% since acquiring Phil Kessel last month. Arizona finished four points shy of a playoff berth last year. They struggled with injury throughout, yet they were still one of the top defensive teams in the league, but they ranked 27th in scoring. Adding Kessel is going to help that big time. He is second in total points among active American-born players. Over five times the ticket sales in one month than what they had all of last year. That's insane. The Kessel effect. The Kessel effect. I mean, scoring sells, and um, especially there in Arizona. I just don't oh, see Arizona as like a hockey state. I don't either, but you know I still I mean? think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't know much about the history of the, the Coyotes, but there isn't I, just, a much of I was going to say, I was going to say, I don't know, you know, a lot of fans don't. I, I knew one, one, actually one of my professors in college, um, he was a huge, or he is a huge Coyotes fan, like went to Arizona, traveled to Arizona every year, went to the Coyotes, and I always was trying to question, like, why? Why are you a Coyotes fan? He didn't really have a good answer. He just said, you know, I, I don't know. But, um, I mean, any time you can generate some buzz, I mean, that's what that's what is good. I mean, the Pistons should do that with Russell Westbrook, maybe. Oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> oh, and finally, a British man obsessed with birds has undergone extensive surgery to try and turn himself into a parrot. He has tattooed feathers on his face, injected ink into his eyeballs to change the color, and after doing all that, he cut off his ears. Because, quote, parrots don't have them. Oh, and he's no longer going by his birth name. He now refers to himself as Parrot Man. Mm. That is your sports center update. You hate to hear that. You just hate to hear it. Somebody who does I mean, that? It, was anyone close to him ever to be like, hey, man, it's a bad idea? <laughs> It's a very bad idea. Like, it was funny at first, but this is a bad idea. Cut off his ears to look like a I just, parrot. I just feel like if, you, if you're somebody like that, you just don't have a good supporting system no. or supporting cast around you. No. He doesn't even have a mother's basement to live in, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you saw it with the lizard man. Mm-hmm. There was a cheetah man, I think. 
Um, some, there's just some weird people out there. He injected tattoo ink into his eyeballs. He risked going blind just so he could turn him red like a parrot. I, I just picture myself on Venice Beach uh, in a year or two, and he's going to be there for that uh, freak show thing. I've, I've been there. Oh, yeah. I was there a couple times. It's insane. There's some really cool people, but... Um, if you're not naturally born with some uniqueness, mm-hmm. I don't think going and, and risking blindness, deafness, and things like that is very smart. It's probably about midnight over in England. I don't know if he's an early riser or what have you, but you got to believe that you know when he's out and about in England that there is a man walking the streets right now with feathers tattooed on his face, no ears, and red eyes calling himself Parrot Man. Yeah, I mean, does he speak? Does he just re- repeat what people say? Like, does he yeah, take? Because his- parrots can talk. Bar- parrots can talk um, for sure, but they're not going to form a a sentence unless they hear it. So, is he is he playing the role like that? Is he very? Is he that into the role? Like, is he like really about it? It seems to me like he would be. So, I don't think he speaks anymore. The first guy to ever hear a parrot talk probably wasn't okay for the next few days. No, I, I could imagine. Uh, you know, just kind of hanging out, and all of a sudden this bird talks. I would, I'd be freaking out. Well, I tell you what, uh, let's take a look at the updated win totals throughout Major League Baseball, and I've got some thoughts on the Cleveland Indians and what their situation may be. Uh, right now, there is one team who is projected to finish with over a hundred wins, actually finish with a hundred and five, and that would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. Some other notables: the Yankees projected to win one hundred games. Minnesota, 95. I'm happy with that. Tigers, 58. Uh, I'd see that happening. That's that's a good good call. Uh, Losing over 100, it looks like, for Detroit. The second half is going to be pretty rough. They have Kansas City passing Detroit in the American League Central. So I tell you what, when you look at the standings and where they are right now, again, the second half officially starts tonight when Houston visits Texas. So what we're looking at in the postseason, let's start with the American League. I see that there are six teams who are absolute locks to be buyers here at the trade deadline here in about a week or so. Those teams in the American League, New York, Houston, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Oakland, and Boston. I think those six teams are all going to be buyers. Texas, this will be the biggest week for them. They're six over 500, and this is the week you got to decide whether you're in or out, whether you're going to stack your team for the second half or you're going to stack your team for next year. And Texas is going to learn a lot about themselves this week. Everybody below Texas in the standings is going to be sellers. Los Angeles, Chicago, Seattle, Toronto, Detroit, Kansas City, Baltimore. The biggest question for me is Cleveland. Cleveland right now would be a playoff team. They'd be in the second wildcard spot. They are 12 games over 500 at 50 and 38. So what's the question, right? A team like that, they should be buyers. They should be obvious buyers. But I think that there's one man who holds all the cards for Cleveland. He's going to decide what they do this year and where they build their team next year. And that man's Trevor Bauer. So this is the situation. He is going to be a free agent after this season. He's a multi-time All-Star. He could have been the Cy Young winner last year before injury. He would have been a finalist. I think he ended up finishing sixth. But all indications say that he's not going to re-sign with Cleveland in the offseason, that he's looking at going elsewhere. You can get a really good prize back for him if you trade him right now. If you're Cleveland... If you send him to a contender who's looking to bolster their rotation in the second half, you can get a lot back in return. They would be a playoff team right now, fending off a few teams and trying to hang on. So best case scenario, what, do they get in as a wild card and they lose right away and they hung on to Bauer and they end up getting nothing for him because he walks in free agency? Or do you get the best that you can for him? Do you get the best return on investment 
knowing that you're pretty much forfeiting this season. Because what is the end game for Cleveland? They're not going to make the playoffs if they sell Trevor Bauer. Yet, they're they one way or another, they're likely not going to have him at this time next year. So is getting in as a wild card team and letting him walk, knowing you don't have a lot of other building blocks because you let Brantley walk away, you let Chisenhall and Jan Gomes walk away? What, what do you do if you're Cleveland? This is where it really comes into play. Are they buyers or sellers? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is where those guys up top get a lot of get, – get paid to make, make tough decisions, decisions like this. I'm one of those guys that think, I mean, if we can make it to the postseason, anything can happen – you know, let's roll with it and just kind of see what happens. Um, the history has shown that Cleveland just lets guys walk away. But this this is tough, man. This is tough. I mean, you really got to sit down and just kind of think, you know, what are the chances that we get past these solid six, seven teams um, who who are very talented um, in the postseason? For me, it's 50-50. It's um if, if you if you really think you don't have what it takes to to get past like that upper echelon in the, in the the conference, I mean you sell you sell you trade and and you you work for next season. Um, for me, I don't really know what they should do. I'm not obviously not their GM, but if I was in the position, I would I would just sell and try to no. and try to get what I can for them and and kind of build for for the future seasons at this point. Absolute worst case scenario is you miss the playoffs, miss the playoffs and man. you hold on to him, which could happen. They are by no means a lot to make the playoffs. If they get in, it's almost certainly going to be as a wild card because I saw the other day if the Twins play 500 baseball the rest of the year, they split the remaining games. Cleveland would have to win 90% of the remaining games just to win the division. Yeah. Highly unlikely. No. I, I don't like the numbers. I would I would sell because yeah, like you said, they could they could have a, a lose lose situation where they don't even make the playoffs. You know, obviously fans wouldn't be happy about that. Then they don't get anything in return. So now entering next season, now you're, you're taking a couple steps back rather than just one. Um, and and you don't have that future. You know, those future assets or anything like that. So um, if you're if you're Cleveland, obviously it's a tough tough discussion to have but you know you kind of got to be real with yourself take a step back and say this is where we are as a team you know obviously he's saying he probably won't be back next season you know we gotta we gotta kind of bite this one get for what we can and and try to make a stronger push in the in the upcoming years in the national league the central is really intriguing to me chicago looks like they're going to be buyers you know they're going to hang on for the rest of the year the brewers are going to be in contention Cardinals, this is a big week for them. We're going to learn a lot about them and their intentions. And then top to bottom, that division is stacked. I mean, they're right next to each other. And it's not just that no one's really wanting to win the division, although that plays into it. But there are some legitimately good teams in the NL Central. Even Cincinnati, they're five below, and they're only four and a half out of the division. I still think they're going to be sellers. I mean, they know the writing on the wall. Fine, we're hanging around after the All-Star break, but it's not like we're going to make a push. And even if we find a way to get in, then what? Then what are we going to do? Pittsburgh is one game below, but they're only two and a half out of the division lead. I think they'll end up being sellers, but I think they're only going to sell one significant piece. I think they feel like they have a good enough team right now. They can sell that one significant piece, which is Felipe Vasquez, and still contend that it won't hurt too much of the team because from what it sounds like, the Dodgers are coming calling for Felipe Vasquez. Standard. Standard. Yep, the Dodgers and the Yankees are going to swoop just, in yeah. and nail free agency. Yep. I mean, I, that's who I think is going to play for the you know. The I World do Series, too, so. right now. Yeah. And how much would that suck? A Yankee-Dodger World Series? Are you kidding? 
I'm not saying I'm a Yankee fan. Oh, I don't come on, I don't, Jake. Hey, Aaron Judge is my guy, though. Come on now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Am I not welcome back here anymore? No. Well, well there have been – you are a Michigan guy, though. I'm a Michigan guy. That's I, you, right. I mean, it – I'm not a huge fan. Like I'm not. A, I'm not emotionally attached to the Tiger. I come on here. I've mm-hmm. said it many times before. I'm not really. I don't really have a. T- it's the only sport where I just. I don't have a team. Because most emotions attached to the Tigers you know, are sad. That, right. And as, as a as a guy who got into baseball a little bit later, you know, I can't get attached to a team who's just, you know, it's just nothing but heartbreak. I'm not that stupid. So right now, it's just kind of right now. I guess. I guess I'm your ultimate bandwagon fan. Baseball fan right now. I don't oh know. man, the most heartbreaking thing about a Yankee Dodger World Series is it means the Yankees are going to win another World Series because the Dodgers are well on their way to being the modern day equivalent of the Buffalo Bills that made four straight Super say, Bowls and lost them I was all. Say yeah, yeah. Hasn't the, haven't the Dodgers been knocking on the door for for quite some time? Yep. Um, They've had teams better than this. They couldn't win it with. So why do I think they're going to do it this? Hey, year? Some organizations it happens. You know, they they got the talent and things like that. But you just can't. Uh, whether it be just the, the baseball gods just don't want it to happen or anything like that. Um, isn't it good for the Yankees to win in baseball though? Isn't it? Wouldn't that be a good thing to have uh, an organization like that back up on top? You kind of get like the Death Star feel, like right. the Warriors were. Like people argue that you need a super team to root against and to hate. I don't, I don't know if I'd buy that for basketball. Baseball, they're in a little bit different situation right now, interest-wise. I just know that I don't want to see the Yankees back on top. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing for baseball as a whole, right. but I don't want to see it. For, for, Tanner, for Tanner's sake, we, do, we don't want to see that. But, I mean, I w- I'd be interested to see two big markets like that clash with, with star power. I don't see so why that's So would Rob thing. Manfred. <laughs> You're right. So would Major it. League Baseball. Exactly. I'm, 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 on, I'm pro Major League Baseball right now. I tell you what, before we go to break... You said it earlier, the Thunder Fire Sale is continuing, everything must go, which means Russell Westbrook, you think Detroit has the chance to pick him up? You know, it was funny when when I heard Paul George went to, or it would, would be heading to the Clippers to join Kawhi Leonard, my instant thought was Westbrook to the Pistons. I don't know what it was, this was before, this was before any uh, reports came out that the Pistons were even in the running. I was, you know, I was just talking to my buddy, it was literally 2.30 in the morning, I said, wouldn't that be funny now? It, obviously, Westbrook is is going to want to get out of there. Wouldn't that be funny if Detroit picked him up? I mean, that's that's interesting. Uh, so I was all for it right, right off the beginning. For me, you know, obviously it would, it would sell some tickets and things like that, but it, it's all depending on what the Thunder want for him. Mm-hmm. If they want a similar situation that the Clippers, the desperate Clippers were in to where they're getting first-round picks into the mid-2020s, Obviously, if you're Detroit, you've been so patient so long, you don't want to you know, sell your future again and get an aging 30-year-old point guard who relies strictly on athleticism, mm-hmm. who, yes, averaged a triple-double you know, so many seasons, but um, that hasn't equaled winning. It hasn't, you know, he hasn't gotten out of the first round. Um, and and you like, got Derrick Rose. And you got, you you got say De- similar yeah, things about people, him. People are forgetting about <laughs> Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is, is a good player. Um, and, and, and I've been saying, like, we need to get Reggie Jackson. You got one more year with Reggie Jackson. Get that contract off the books. I kind of like the idea when they, when they threw in Steven Adams. Sorry about that. When they threw in Steven Adams into the deal, talking about get, getting rid of Drummond. Now, mm-hmm. Pistons fans are going to say, are you crazy? Get rid of Andre Drummond. But, I mean, that, that would be another max contract off of the books. 
I do like what Stevens Adams brings. Um, he's a good center. He's a big body. He, he plays defense. Um, he's not as unique as Andre Drummond, but he would come in with that kind of that chemistry with Russell Westbrook. Pair him with with uh, you know Blake Griffin, and then you're obviously going to take on that massive deal with Westbrook. But at least you won't have three guys on these like max deals where maybe you could work with it a little bit. Detroit's um, put themselves in a bad salary right. cap situation. It's been like that for a while. I mean, it, it it all depends where they are. You can't ever tell with Detroit because a few years ago you're like, okay, they're in rebuild mode, but then they go ahead and get Blake Griffin. So now you're like, wait, what are we, are we in win now mode? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Obviously, they're trying to. It's like they're trying to build against a build for and around Blake Griffin, but at the same time, they want to keep that that side option open to where hey, we're rebuilding. You know, we're rebuilding fans. Just give us some time. So, I mean, obviously you're going to go all in with Westbrook. I think he, if you bring Westbrook over, you know, you don't want to sell the house on all your young assets. It, it just all depends. And obviously you don't want to get give more than like one or two first-round picks. I like the idea just because of his star power. I think he would make the Pistons Eastern, in the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, contenders. But I could also see it backfiring very, very badly. It, it's all what Tom Gores wants to do. It, 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 I wouldn't be sad if it didn't happen, mm-hmm. but I would also kind of be disappointed if it didn't happen. Right now, it seems like the Pistons, I mean, even in the national media, all these experts here on ESPN and things like that are saying Detroit makes the most sense. You know, Miami was kind of in the running, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense they for Miami. They don't have any pieces that you know the I mean? city would want. Yeah, I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. But, you know, it also could be the brick show here up in Detroit if, you know, because you, you don't have shooters. You need shooters, man. You need some shooters. I tell you what, the four teams that I keep hearing are Detroit, Miami, New York, and Minnesota. I don't think he's going to end up with New York. No, Minnesota's kind of quiet if they really want to make a push. You see, Minnesota. I mean, they have that would a make supporting sense. cast. Mm-hmm. You're not. You don't want to bring Russell Westbrook into a team where you don't really have anything. The New York Knicks make absolutely no sense. Right, and they couldn't take another heartbreak. And, they couldn't take, exactly, they couldn't take another heartbreak. But they're in full rebuild mode. Mm-hmm. They've said it. Hey, we're bringing in these one year, two year guys. Why would you bring in an aging 30-year-old point guard? Obviously, he's a superstar, but by the time you get anything going, he's going to be on the de- way on the decline, a guy who relies on athleticism. Would you do Russ for Anthony Wiggins? Andrew Wiggins, I'm An- sorry. Andrew Wiggins? I, I, you know, you could you could definitely think about it. I, I don't think that would be terrible. And Minnesota's, you know, like I said, they have some, some, some pieces. Would I do that? That doesn't seem like a bad idea if you're I think Minnesota. That's what Minnesota obviously, wants. Obviously, to Minnesota do. hasn't, you know, hasn't been able to get over that hump with what they've got going on. They've Jimmy Butler left and things like that. If you want to come in and shake things up a little bit and just kind of see where it goes, if you're, you know, the Western Conference is tough. You need to, you need to bring some guys in. I can see it making sense for Minnesota. I can see it making sense for Chicago, who has some young pieces. But again, it's who do you have to give up to bring him in? If you're giving away all those young pieces, it just doesn't make sense because then you still have Russell Westbrook and a bunch of young guys, and that's not going to get it done. Well, and it wouldn't be as simple as Wiggins for Russ because Oklahoma City's cap situation is in such a mm-hmm. terrible place where you are going to need at least a third team. Right. It's going to have to be a three-team deal for Oklahoma City to get this done. And that's why I don't think Andre Drummond is at any risk. He's going to be a piston next year because they do not want to take on his contract. Right. I don't I mean, think they can not, if they wanted to. No, no, they can't. So that's what the thing. It's 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 a money game as well. Um, and and if, going back just to the Detroit Pistons, it would be fun. As a Pistons fan, I know Pistons fans out there would, would want to buy the Westbrook jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, for a year or two, you're going to get Westbrook, you know, flying down the lane, dunking, lobbing it up to Drummond and Griffin. But do you see that group 
with not great depth, with not great shooters around them, doing anything, you know, being able to go out and beat these LA teams in the in the finals or anything. I just don't see it. Would you be in contention? Yes. Would it move you from that bottom of the Eastern Conference to possibly to the top, top four teams possibly? I think it Maybe. could. I think it could. But is it worth it? Right. Like you'd be a playoff team. You'd be a playoff team for a couple years, but then you would have to then you gotta rebuild all over all over again and you're gonna have five years of mediocrity and wondering what's going on. So is it worth it? Present it would be fun. Down the road, terrible, terrible idea. I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. We gotta take our last time out inside ten minutes to go. When we come back, should the Chargers pay Melvin Gordon? Or could he be making his way back to Wisconsin? Jake hopes so. That's coming up next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, check it out on demand with our free mobile app. Get it from the Apple iStore Store or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you, and we're going to breeze through these last five minutes talking about the NFL because a lot's been happening there, surprisingly enough. Josh Norman, for one, decided to go running with the Bulls in Spain. How about that? Isn't that illegal in his gonna, contract? Say, like, there ha- there has clause? I know they can't ride motorcycles. Mm-hmm. You would think that they would throw in running with Bulls yeah. as a possible thing you shouldn't be doing. Although that might be safer than playing in the NFL. It could be. <laughs> or maybe it was. it's just so out there that they didn't even think that that was even an option. And what's funny, I was just on my phone, I just saw that jumping over. Yeah, there's a video of it. That's scary. Yeah. That's scary. I've, I've watched footage, just file footage of that stuff, and you know some people get caught, and it's not. Five good. people have been gored. Yeah, this oh, year. I just why it, exactly? Why is that fun? Like who invented that as a sport? Adrenaline junkies, man. Do whatever it takes. I tell you what, the big news out of the NFL today regarded, uh, still regards, I should say, Chiefs, Chiefs running back. How about Chargers running back Melvin Gordon, the former Wisconsin Badger? He wants a new contract. Melvin Gordon is extremely talented. If he plays the full season, he's pretty much a guarantee to get 1,500 yards. But playing the full season has been something he really hasn't been able to do since coming to the NFL. He knows the shelf life for a running back isn't long in the NFL, so he wants to get paid. He wants to get locked in for a contract. I tell you what, I'm not surprised by this. I think Le'Veon Bell set the tone, and now I think that the... I, I, let's Let me put it this way. Le'Veon lit the fuse... And Melvin Gordon is the first explosion. This is going to keep happening more and more. I'll even look into the future and tell you the next one to do it. It's going to be Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to be the next one to threaten a holdout. Here's the situation. I think the Chargers are in the best uh, bargaining position here. Gordon can't stay healthy. Extremely talented. He is coming off injury. The team went 4-0 with him on the bench last year. They were doing just fine. They've got depth at that position. Austin Eckler, one of the better pass-catching backs in the game. Plus, you've got Justin Jackson, who rushed for over 4.1-something yards per carry as a rookie last year. They're fine at the depth position. It's kind of a warning shot from Gordon. He's saying, yeah, I'm going to sit out training camp. I think they were planning on doing that anyway. They don't want to risk you getting hurt before week one, as injury-prone as you are. If he doesn't play this entire season, holds out like Le'Veon Bell did, then this year just moves over to next year on his contract. He's not in a better position. He's a year older, maybe a little more rested and healthy. But that's where the Chargers have the most leverage. Now, for the Chargers, they are going to get pushed not by Melvin Gordon, but by Phillip Rivers because you want to win a Super Bowl with him. You feel like this is your window because that division is wide open. 
at least for them and for Kansas City. But Kansas City's going to be down because they lost a few pieces. Patrick Mahomes, as good as he was last year, I think he's going to have a sophomore slump because so many of his weapons were taken away, and Denver and Oakland are just pretty much non-factors. So this is the window for uh, the L.A. Chargers. Do I think they can get into the playoff, whether winning as a divisional t- uh, champion or a wildcard team? I do, without Melvin Gordon. But to win a Super Bowl, you need him. I, you know, going, going to that, I, I picked the Chargers to win the Super Bowl. or Did to, you? Uh, not win the Super Bowl, but to, to come out of the AFC last year, I think – it's a very talented team. Um, in this situation, you know, bringing up, you made really good points. Um, I do think the Chargers kind of have a little bit more cards in the say. Um, but if I'm the Chargers, I'm taking care of my own in this situation. Um, like you said, Phillip Rivers is, is not getting any younger. Um, you know, you have all this momentum as a team. You got you, you've been drafting well. You got young guys stepping up. You got everyone playing to the and overplaying their potential. And yes, you do have depth. But Melvin Gordon is just one of those those talents that, when healthy, you know, he has the speed. He has the elusiveness. He has the power. Um, you, you talk about him being at Wisconsin. He was just one of those talents where every time he touched the ball, you thought he was hitting a home run, and he has that ability. Um, so. For me, with a team with so much momentum, obviously in the running uh, for a Super Bowl, like you said, the, the division's up in the air. Um, you know, I don't see why you don't make him happy. Um, maybe you have a little bit of leverage to where it's not as high as maybe he wants it, mm-hmm. and, and you can kind of do that. But I, I say get the deal done as fast as you can. You know, make it make it known that you know we want you here. Um, and and, and 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 make this run because I I think they're a team that could win a Super Bowl this year. They're one of those teams, man. I, obviously, there's a, there's a lot of teams that could win it, but they're one of those teams. You know, they have a, a very young core of good players. They have all the weapons. You know, you want to go into the the season with a with a handful of running backs. Their defense is amazing. Why not take care of your players and just make make these runs at at this at this time? And when you're talking about LA, you want to have stars at every position. You know, you're fighting with the L.A. Rams. I kind of compared it to the, the the Lakers and Clippers. I think the Chargers are the Clippers of the NFL. And, you know, you want to bring fans in. You want to try to sell seats. And you want to you want to keep star players. And, and Melvin Gordon has averaged almost 1,000 yards in his, his career. You know, almost double-digit touchdowns. He had a really good year last season. And, and he brings balance. And, and it's just another weapon. You know, he's getting Williams open. He's getting um, Keenan Allen open. And, and he's making it easier on, on your, your quarterback in Phillip Rivers. So it just makes sense that the – the Chargers get it done, but obviously they have a little leverage to to get it maybe a more team-friendly deal. Melvin Gordon will hold out if not offered a new contract, so he says. I do think he's deserving of more than $5.6 million as a top-five oh, yeah. running back, but don't get into a Todd Gurley situation. Not with a running back that can't stay healthy like him. I, I sincerely you believe got- Todd Gurley's best days in the NFL are behind him, and that's a contract the Rams are going to come back to and regret. I think you go with... A David Johnson type contract, that yeah. kind of money. Yeah, I mean, obviously Todd Gurley with, with the knee issues, but I, I think Melvin Gordon has, you know, some of his best football ahead of him. So um, he's he's a difference maker. He's a difference maker. But like you said, you got to kind of walk, you know, with a guy with history. I just don't see why, you know, obviously you can bring that up in discussion. Say, hey, you you haven't been healthy up to this point, you know, or shown you can you can stay healthy. So. We are. We want to make maybe you make a little incentive in the deal or something like that, and you work work those quarters. But I just feel like you got to get it done. Um, and if not, come on over to Green Bay. We'll take you, Melvin Gordon. <laughs>
Let's end it on that. Let's get you back over to Bob with shoes and filling in on the Will Kane Show. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Got a Little League Baseball highlights coming up tonight. Yes. District championship. The District 11 championship game on uh, Local 3 at 11 p.m. tonight. Um, we have Portage Lake versus Ishpeming. Mm. Um, I went to the game last night, Portage Lake and, and Nagani. Was, it was actually a pretty entertaining game. Uh, uh, they saw a home run and things like that. So, And these kids, these are some talented kids. So. Um, if you want to check out Local 3 Sports at 11 tonight, we'll have highlights of that one. That is it for us. I'm back on tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP.